So as usual, let's start the Dhamma talk with the Namotasa. Namotasa Bhagavato Arahato Sambuddhasa Namotasa Bhagavato Arahato Two days ago, I started to talk about the kilesas, the defilements, and the three trainings. Today, I'm going to continue to talk about this and go into more details. So in the talk two days ago, I mentioned different types of kilesas. The Kaya Kama Kilesa, those defilements manifested as physical actions. Then the Vachi Kama Kilesa, the defilements manifested as speech. Then the Mano Kama Kilesa, the defilements manifested in the mind as thoughts, emotions, and also the Anusaya Kilesa, the latent defilements, those who dwell in a dormant state. And so as we have seen, the defilements manifested as physical and verbal actions, they can be abandoned through the training in virtue that is, by leading a virtuous life, by keeping the precepts. Then the defilements manifested in the mind, mental actions, thoughts, emotions, so they can be abandoned through the training in concentration. Now, the abandoning of these defilements Manifested, manifesting on the physical level, verbal level, or on the mental level, this abandonment is a temporary abandoning. It's not a complete abandoning. Then this Anusaya Kilesa, the latent defilements, they can be abandoned through the training in wisdom. And the training in wisdom is twofold. The vipassana panya, the inside wisdom, can abandon these latent defilements temporarily. And the magapanya, past knowledge, the wisdom of the past, past knowledge, this one abandons these latent defilements completely. So today we'll have a different look at these 
defilements and first of all see how the defilements are described or how they are uh, defined. So these are different definitions of kilesa or defilement. One is that which defiles the original pure state of mind or kilesas as those states that soil the mind, make it dirty or destroy the purity of the mind or kilesas defilements are also described as mental afflictions or afflictive states of mind or another way of looking at them is to see them as tormenting states of mind so those states that torture the mind or as one yogi mentioned in her last interview to see them as really troublesome making a lot of trouble or giving a lot of trouble or here is another definition of kilesas the defilements are so called because they afflict or torment the mind or because they defile beings by dragging them down to a mentally soiled and depraved condition. So this word kilesa appears in its various forms many hundred times in the Buddhist scriptures. So in the form of Kilesa it appears 1550 times or as Kileso 441 times or Kilesang 110 times. So in regard to these kilesas, as we have seen, we need to abandon them. We need to completely eradicate them or to completely cut them off. And this is what Venerable Nandaka, a monk at the time of the Buddha, said to a group of bhikkhunis, of nuns. He said, Sisters, suppose a skilled butcher or his apprentice were to kill a cow and carve it up with a sharp butcher's knife. The sharp butcher's knife is a term for noble wisdom. The noble wisdom that cuts, 
severs and carves away the defilements, fetters and bonds. So it's interesting that this analogy of you know a sharp butcher's knife or any knife or a sword to cut these defilements or the fetters. In the Tibetan Buddhism, you may know they have different Buddhas representing different qualities of the Buddha. Like there is Avalokiteshvara, which represents the Buddha of compassion, or simply representing the Buddha's quality of compassion. And there is the Buddha Manjushri, <coughs> who represents the wisdom quality of the Buddha. And this Manjushri Buddha is always depicted, like in statues or paintings. Um, so in, on one side, um, on a lotus, there is a book representing the teaching, the wisdom, and in his other, on the other side, in the other hand, Manchushri holds a sword. And so it's this image of the sword, the knife, cutting um, through the defilements or carving them away. So the, the um, wisdom that cuts away the defilements. So in regard to the defilements, we have a list of ten defilements which form the ten main defilements. There are many more, but the main defilements are number ten. And they are greed, hatred, and delusion. These are the three basic ones. So if I'm would boil them even more down, it boils down to greed, hatred and delusion. And then there is also conceit, then wrong view, skeptical doubt, sloth, restlessness, then shamelessness, and fearlessness of wrongdoing. So these are the ten main defilements, but there are many more varieties. So then there is another classification of defilements, just cutting them, just putting them into three categories as occurring on three different levels. So the most subtle level 
are the Anusaya Kilesas. We have encountered them. So these are the latent defilements or latent tendencies. So those who dwell as a latent disposition in the continuum of the mind. Then the next level, a bit more coarse, is the so-called Pariyuttana level or Pariyuttana Kilesas. This is translated as obsessive defilements. And this refers to the um, level of the mind, where they manifest in the mind as obsessive thoughts or emotions. And then the most coarse level is when these defilements manifest as physical and verbal actions. And this is called Viti Kama, the Viti Kama Kilesa, those who manifest as physical actions and as speech. And these Viti Kama Kilesas, they are translated as transgressive defilements. So because they manifest as transgressions transgressions of the precepts, ethical guidelines. The Buddha stated very clearly that the defilements, even when they do not um, come into active manifestation, so that they continue to exist at the Anusaya level, as the dormant defilements, as long as they have not been eradicated by past knowledge. So even if they do not manifest as physical actions, as speech, even if they do not manifest in the mind as obsessive thoughts, and emotions, they are there on the Anusaya level as a latent tendency and they, they stay there until and unless they are completely uprooted by past knowledge. But as we have seen the different trainings um, can abandon these different layers of defilements at least temporarily and then uh, through past knowledge uh, completely. And so again in regard to the three trainings we have the training in virtue, the Sila Sika, and so this training can abandon the transgressive defilements, the vitikama kilesa, meaning those who manifest in physical actions and in speech. 
So in regard to physical actions, what are considered to be defiled physical actions? You know them from the precepts, killing, harming living beings, stealing or taking what is not given, and sexual misconduct. These are the three defiled bodily actions. And so killing is the intentional killing of a living being, and usually that's caused by a kilesa, by a defilement. So, as we know, because of anger, a person might kill another person. So that's the kilesa, the anger kilesa, which then is the cause for this transgressive defilement to happen. Or doesn't need to be strong anger. It can be irritation that causes um, a person to kill a mosquito. A mosquito uh, bites, irritation happens and the hand goes boom and the mosquito is killed. Or the kilesa, the defilement could be greed, wanting, craving. Because of wanting another person's possession, a person kills another person. Or um, because some people want to wear a fur, uh, um, a coat of fox fur, then foxes are killed. So greed motivating a transgressive um, defilement. Or it could be simple ignorance that causes the killing of living beings. I think I already mentioned this on, uh, to you in a previous Dhamma talk. Like when I was small and um, going up to an old farmhouse for holidays, which was always full of flies, uh, together with my two brothers, uh, we had to uh, kill the flies with a fly swap. Because we were told by the parents, and so we were good kids and uh, carrying out what the parents told us, just out of ignorance. Or in regard to taking what is not given, another transgressive defilement, Again, it can be caused by uh, different kilesas, different defilements. Um, greed is often a cause for stealing, wanting the possession of somebody else, wanting more, or can also be anger. Like in my case, again, when I was small, like in the morning, playing in the, uh, you know, with the sand and uh, building sand castles, 
So I had a particularly big and nice sandcastle. And there comes my younger brother and goes room and destroys it. Of course, I was getting angry. And so then at lunchtime, I grabbed his piece of cake <laughs> to punish him. Stealing, taking what is not given, sometimes can be motivated by, by ignorance, not knowing. Like if everybody else in the office makes photocopies at work, so then, oh yeah, if everybody else uh, does it, why should I not do some private copies there on the copy machine? I mean, if there are no clear uh, guidelines how to handle this. Then, sexual misconduct, again, can be caused by different uh, defilements. Very often it's caused by desire or lust. Um, being attracted by an attractive body that arouses um, sexual energies. So these are the three defiled physical actions. And then in regard to the defiled verbal actions or defiled speech, this is fourfold, and as you know, it's telling lies, slandering or backbiting, harsh and rude speech, and frivolous talk. And telling lies, again, can be caused because one is angry or upset, and so then uh, does not tell the truth to somebody else, or one tells a lie out of greed, because one kind of is greedy and um, sees personal gains and benefits, or out of conceit, that one tells a lie. Backbiting, slandering, Again, being upset or angry at the third party and wanting them to, and wants to denounce them, set false rumors uh, out. Harsh and abusive speech, often motivated by anger, aversion, ill will. Sometimes it can be caused by one's bit rough temperament, that harsh and rough words come out, even though one was not intentionally um, using harsh words, but it might just be um, a habit. 
or frivolous talk, gossiping, speech that has no benefits. One might just talk uh, out of out of pride or conceit because one wants to show off with some news that hopefully nobody else has uh, um, dispersed around in the neighborhood. So we can see it's obvious that by restraining one's physical actions and one's speech with the five basic precepts, then one does not act out the defilements on the level of the bodily actions or speech. And so as a result, then the defilements do not become transgressive defilements. They do not become the vitikama, kilesas. To maintain one's virtue, one's sila, one needs some determination to keep one's sila, one's virtue, as pure as possible. And then one also needs some mindfulness to really be present and know you know, what enters through our sense doors and then to know what um, reaction to these uh, sense inputs are. So then one, so that one can refrain if, you know, some defilement uh, wants to come out as an action or speech. So, for example, if you are able to refrain from killing a mosquito, so then we are able to prevent a, dis a transgressive defilement from arising. So it doesn't manifest on that most coarse level. But however, the defilement, in this case the anger caused by the mosquito bite, so these defilements might still be manifested on the mental level, just as an irritation or anger. So it's still there as an obsessive defilement. So we see the training in virtue has the power to prevent or to remove the transgressive defilements. <coughs> Those defilements that manifest in physical actions and speech. On a most basic level, the precepts, ethical guidelines, they assure a harmonious relationship with other people, with other living beings. So, by keeping 
these ethical guidelines, they prevent ourselves and others from experiencing harm, suffering, distress or sorrow. But on a more profound level, these presets, ethical guidelines, they are a first step to clear our minds from the most coarse level of defilements. And this is necessary if we want to progress to higher levels of purification, if we want um, to progress to final liberation. Then the second training, as you know, is the Samadhi Sika, the training in concentration. And this one has the power to remove or to abandon the obsessive defilements. Those defilements that arise in the mind, as thoughts, as emotions. But this abandonment, as I've already said, it's a temporary abandoning. It, it uh, comes through the concentration. A concentrated mind has the power to suppress the kilesas for the time being. Or a concentrated mind is able to keep these defilements at bay. Or through the deep concentration, the kilesas um, are simply blocked from arising in the mind. And when the mind is free from the kilesas, from the defilements, then one speaks of a secluded mind. So the mind can be secluded, secluded from the defilements as long as the concentration is strong and powerful. So then the defilements are temporarily abandoned. But even in the most profound states of concentration, even when being absorbed in a jhana, the latent defilements are still there. They still dwell in a dormant state in the continuum of the mind. They are simply inactive for the time being. So the seclusion of the mind that refers to a deep state of concentration, which can be either jhana, absorption, or it can be the momentary concentration that we develop through the practice of vipassana meditation.
So these obsessive defilements, the Pariyutana Kilesas, are those defilements that arise in the mind and they torment us, they afflict us in various ways. And most of the time it's these kinds of defilements that we are mindful of in our meditation practice. So you know it can be the greedy thoughts for food or it can be the angry thoughts when remembering an incident from many years ago or maybe it's the skeptical doubts about our ability to practice or maybe it's just restlessness, an agitated mind because we checked our mobile phone and read some message. Or can be the defilement of sloth, sleepiness, a dull mind, maybe after a heavy meal or because we have eaten too much, we were a bit too greedy at lunchtime. Or maybe it's the worries about the dog at home. Is he alright or not? Or the defilement of frustration because the nasty pain in the knee has still not completely disappeared. Or it can be the obsession Obsession with the desire to sit on a chair again. Like when I was in Burma, you know, sitting in the hall on the, on the ground, in the dining hall, sitting on the floor um, for the interview, sitting on the floor. There were basically no chairs around, except in the meditation hall at the front. There was a row of chairs, but they were only there for the monks and you know when they would held a ceremony. And so after some time meditating there, seeing these chairs, I just had this obsessive thought, I want to go and sit on a chair again. How nice that would be. Because I was having quite some pain to deal with in my sitting meditation. And so every time looking at these chairs, oh, that would be so lovely just to sit on a chair. And um, I, it was because they were drilling a hole to make a well for water right next to the meditation hall. The Burmese yogis had their Dhamma talk in the dining hall, and so we foreigners were left alone in the meditation hall. And so then one afternoon, uh, all the Burmese yogis were in the dining hall having their Dhamma talk. I thought, nobody's around. That's my chance. So I was sneaking up there to the chairs, looking around, you know, feeling very guilty. <laughs> But the desire was stronger, and so then I sat down on the chair, 
And it wasn't as nice as I had thought. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but at least with that, that obsessive thought, I want to sit on a chair, then calm down and disappear. <laughs> so, this much in regard to the obsessive defilements and how they can be temporarily abandoned through the training in concentration. And now to the training in wisdom. And as we have seen two days ago, the Panyasika, training in wisdom, this one has the power to completely abandon the latent defilements, the Anusaya Kilesas. So these latent defilements or latent tendencies because they um, dwell in the mental continuum. But as we know, they dwell there in a state of dormancy, being inactive, but as soon as a suitable object hits one of the sense doors, then they can arise and become active, manifest in the mind, or if they're very strong, then as a transgressive defilement. And um, one yogi uh, said yesterday in the interview that looking at one uh, certain object always caused anger to arise until she realized, ah, if I refrain from looking at that certain object, then the anger uh, won't arise any longer. And sure enough, then she did not have to deal with that anger by simply not looking at that object. So then there was no you know, suitable object to cause that uh, anger to arise. So in regard to these latent defilements, basically all the defilements um, are latent defilements, but in the scriptures only seven of them are singled out. I just tell you what the seven are so that you have an idea. There is sensual lust, lust or desire for objects perceived through the senses, mm -hmm. then attachment to existence, aversion, conceit, wrong view, doubt, skeptical doubt, and ignorance. So again, here we have the three basic defilements of greed, hatred, and delusion, also as Anusaya's latent defilements.
in many cases, the arising of a latent defilement into an active state has to do with Vedana, the feeling tone. So, to become active can mean as a defilement in the mind or as a transgressive defilement, as a physical action or as speech. So very often it has to do with Vedana. And as you know, Vedana is pleasant feeling tone, unpleasant feeling tone, and neutral feeling tone. And I want to read you this passage from a, from a sutta where Visaka, the former husband of Venerable Dhammadina, asked her questions. Venerable Dhammadina, a nun at the time of the Buddha, she was foremost in expounding the Dhamma. And so her husband, or ex-husband, asked her, Venerable, what latent defilement underlies pleasant feeling tone? What latent defilement underlies an unpleasant feeling tone? And what latent defilement underlies a neutral feeling tone? And Venerable Dhammadina's answer is the latent defilement to lust underlies a pleasant feeling tone, the latent defilement to aversion underlies an unpleasant feeling tone, and the latent defilement to ignorance underlies a neutral feeling tone. And so then Visaka uh, wanted to know the following. Venerable, does the latent defilement to lust underlie all pleasant feelings? And does the latent defilement to aversion underlie all unpleasant feelings? And does the latent defilement to ignorance underlie all neutral feelings? And Venerable Dhammadina's answer was the latent defilement to lust does not underlie all pleasant feelings. Or the latent defilement to aversion does not underlie all unpleasant feelings. Or the latent defilement to ignorance does not underlie all neutral feelings. So this is very important to, to notice, like the phrase, the latent defilement to lust, lust staying for any greed, desire, craving. So the latent defilement to lust does not underlie all pleasant feeling. So this points to, to the important fact that feeling, Vedana, 
does not necessarily give rise to defilements. Because otherwise, complete liberation would not be possible. We know that Vedana, the feeling tone, arises with each moment <coughs> of consciousness, with each experience. And so, if each Vedana, feeling tone, would give rise to a defilement, then the freedom from the kilesas would not be possible. So the fact is that Vedana, the feeling tone, can arise without giving rise to a defilement. And this makes liberation possible. And that's why the Buddha said, the latent defilement of desire should be abandoned in regard to pleasant feeling. The latent defilement of aversion should be abandoned in regard to unpleasant feeling. And the latent defilement of ignorance should be abandoned in regard to neutral feeling. So here is an example of how we can understand these latent defilements as lying dormant in the continuum the mind, in the mind and then as manifesting, becoming active either in the mind or as a physical or verbal action. You know, it's like a person having malaria. With malaria, you get some uh, fever attacks. They last for a little, little while, but then the fever attacks pass. Then there's no more fever. And this can have, uh, stay like this for a few days, and then another fever attack, attack is manifesting. So, person is considered to be sick, having malaria, as long as the person is not completely cured of the malaria. So even if this person has, let's say, three, four, five days without fever, although the fever is not manifesting uh, during these days, but still the person is considered to be sick. So the fever attacks, then they are like the active state of the defilements when they manifest in the mind or as uh, transgressive uh, actions. And during the days when the person has no fever, then that's like the anusaya kilesa, like the latent, dormant defilements. Or another example, let's say a person usually eats meat and so 
If this person is asked, do you eat meat? Then the person would say, yes, I eat meat. Although, at that very moment, the person is not eating meat. But, maybe then at the next meal, the person would eat meat again. And the Buddha also used an example uh, to show that this uh, Anusaya Kilesa, these latent defilements, are there in people, you know, without manifesting right now, but as this latency or at this potential to um, arise into an active state. So this is what the Buddha said in this regard. A young tender infant lying prone does not even have the notion sensual pleasures. So how could sensual desire arise in him? Yet the latent defilement to sensual desire lies within him. Or, a young tender infant lying prone does not even have the notion teachings. So how could doubt about the teachings arise in him? <coughs> Yet the latent <coughs> defilement to doubt lies within him. The other day, I started the Dhamma talk with the question, why should we practice Vipassana meditation? And the answer was, because this is a practice that needs to be done, or it's a practice that cannot be left undone. And the reason for this being so is the fact that the sources of unhappiness and dissatisfaction can only be eliminated by the past knowledge. And as we have seen, past knowledge, the Maka Panya, comes about through the practice of Vipassana meditation. And basically the sources of unhappiness, dissatisfaction and suffering are craving, craving based on ignorance. And based on this main source of suffering, then all the, all the various other defilements do arise. And these defilements arise on different levels. First of all, lying there as latent tendencies, latent defilements, then manifesting in the mind as obsessive defilements, 
or manifesting as physical and verbal actions, transgressive defilements. And we have seen that the three trainings, training in virtue, training in concentration, and training in wisdom, that they have this potential to abandon the defilements. And this abandoning can be temporary or complete. And so if we aspire to complete or perfect happiness and peace, we must engage in a practice that has the ability to completely abandon these defilements. And for doing this, we have no choice. There is only one way that is able to completely abandon these defilements. That's the practice of Vipassana meditation. That's why it's a practice that needs to be done. And again, <clears throat> with the words of the Buddha, he says, dependent on the eye and visible forms, eye consciousness arises. The meeting of the three is contact. With contact as condition, there arises a Vedana feeling tone felt as pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. When one is touched by a pleasant feeling, if one delights in it and remains holding to it, then the latent defilement to lust lies within one. When one is touched by an unpleasant feeling, if one sorrows, grieves, and laments, and then the latent defilement to aversion lies within one. When one is touched by a neutral feeling, if one does not understand as it actually is, then the latent defilement to ignorance lies within one. And that one shall make an end of suffering without abandoning the latent defilements, this is impossible, said the Buddha. So, very clearly, to make an end to suffering, we need to abandon these latent defilements. There's no other way. <coughs> As I have said, in my last talk, usually Burmese people are delighted when they hear that somebody is practicing Vipassana meditation, saying, oh, you're doing the best thing, oh, how lucky you are, you're doing the most precious things, thing uh, you can do in your life. Yes, they know it's true. So, it's really very important, it's actually an absolute necessity to engage in this practice. 
because the defilements can only be eliminated first temporarily and then completely through the three trainings, the trainings in virtue, concentration and wisdom. And all of you are actually now engaging in this threefold practice, walking on this ancient path to liberation. And this is actually a very uh, noble endeavor which will naturally give rise to the highest benefits, namely to the liberation of all defilements, to the end of suffering, and to the attainment of unshakable happiness and peace. And I want to end this talk with something that uh, an Australian meditator has said some years ago in a retreat here. Just illustrating how beneficial this practice is, even if it's not yet um, having gained the, the ultimate highest peace. So she said, People often ask my husband if he meditates. His usual reply is, no. My wife is the meditator, but I benefit. This is a wonderful encouragement for me to continue meditating. Not only am I helping myself, I am helping him, all my family and friends, my neighbors, everyone I come into contact with, like ripples in a pond, happiness spreads out and out. Let's sit quietly for a few moments. Thank you for your kind attention.